So we're going to lose Ben part of the way through and maybe he'll come back on his cell phone. And what is uh, this improbable scenario? Uh, there's no computer charger. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I think maybe I accidentally stole her charger the last time I was over here. And then we didn't figure this out until right now. <laughs> uh, we had a sitcom episode last time. So this time we have a little mm-hmm. sitcom stuff uh, in our actual podcast. I love it. So what, what is this institute that's that's behind you? Uh, I think that's Emory University. That's where she was. University. Well, I have curry prints behind me. <laughs> Kare. I know it's not all highbrow like Ben's yeah. Emory Institute of snooty snoot snoots. <laughs> but uh, whatever. Is that the little prince? It is, man. It's Little Prince Curry. Right. Oh, yeah. That was the one in FLCL. That's right. Yeah. Isn't that the story about the kid who gets lost on Earth? And Yeah. Super he sad. He believes a snake that he will, if he dies, he'll go back to his planet. Yeah, it's like a kid's book about suicide. It's really fucked awesome. up. Oh, what? <laughs> it's so good. Should I change um, my background? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's dark. Yeah, put zero two back there. Oh my gosh, I don't have a zero two screensaver. That's oh, wow. amateur hour. Uh, welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals. We are still talking about Darling and the Franks, and this time it's episode nine. Uh, I'm Alex. This is Ben. I mean, this is Brian. <laughs> hey, and this is Ben, despite what you might have heard. And we're very excited to be back with you this week uh, with another returning guest from where did we have you on for Gundam Gundam. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody welcome Hayden Workman. Hello. Thanks for having me again. I, I'm afraid that I'm going to be wrong and offend you, but I think maybe that was that episode I was absent for. Oh, during Gundam. No, you were there. Okay. <laughs> you were there and then you kind of popped out and then you kind of popped back again again. God, uh, Thomas Bowman, who was also a friend right. of Brian's. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I apologize. I apologize. No, it's all good. It's all good. I also initially, when I put up your episode, Hayden, I put that it was Thomas Bowman again because I also <laughs> got mixed up. <laughs> what is going on in the world? It was a grand time. Yeah. What is going on with you, Hayden? How, how uh, have you been over? this crazy hot summer crazy hot summer i got a dog whoa the biggest oh, change right um yeah pandemic puppy we rescued her so she's a bit of a mutt the strongest breed that we can see is a, a little boxer so she looks like a boxer puppy but she is full grown and we named her lilith nice love it um i just really wanted it because it was a pretty name but we found that has hebrew roots mm-hmm. and in the medieval times there is like lore that lilith was the wife of satan of lucifer so. <laughs> and adam yeah yep i heard she was like the first vampire but that might be from like vampire the masquerade Ooh. or something i don't know sure mother of demons she's like the mother of 99 monsters she's yeah. awesome she's a oh my uh, gosh feminist icon yeah i just got the fraser joke that was fraser's ex-wife lilith mm-hmm. oh my oh, no fraser oh, fans oh, yeah sick Did you hear those crickets oh my gosh i stopped off at cheers i was done after that oh, you know gosh that's right when it got good an <laughs> icon of at least mine, I think Alex is too, but Dan Harmon, he's like creator of Community, mm-hmm. co-creator of Rick and Morty. Uh, he modeled his entire personality on Frasier because that was the the smart person on television when he was growing up. <laughs> yeah. He was a radio psychologist. Mm-hmm. I'm listening, Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to go back to our Star Trek references. This is... Fraser's references are lame. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, so this is this is where your dog led us. It led us to yeah, Fraser yeah, references. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Lilith. Uh, and and of course for our listeners, also Evangelion, right? Yeah. Does your dog have a purple face and seven eyes? That's right. Not quite. Okay. Just six eyes. Cuter. Not quite. Yeah just, yeah. just six, and it's like a, a light, light purple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Lilac. That's cool. <laughs> right. Oh wow. Lilith with lilac. I love it. Speaking of Evangelion, let's let's catch up with a little like pop culture news. Uh, the final Evangelion movie dropped a few weeks ago <laughs> on Amazon. I bet Ben still hasn't seen it, right? I have not. 
Mm. I think uh, fans of Grant Morrison would probably really dig this last movie. Huh. It gets into some interesting reality bending kind of stuff. Hmm. Okay. Well, we all have to get yeah. into the same location and lock ourselves in a room mm. and watch all of them. That's still the plan. Absolutely. Before we get into things, Hayden, what uh, is your experience with this show? Have you watched it before? Are you just current with us? What, what's up? Yeah, I've watched it one and a half times before this. Oh, sick. Oh. And so I watched it once by myself. And then the second time half through, I started with my wife uh, and she couldn't finish the end. Um, <laughs> I think that's a pretty common experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I've been listening up to... Uh, I've just been following you guys and watching an episode. Listen to the, your episode. Oh, all right. That's fun. Been watching. You're a super fan. Yeah, I am. I love Pen Pen Pal. <laughs> we love you. Wait, wait. But I mean, sorry, just uh, since I'm the person out of the loop who has not seen the whole series, it sounded like you were saying the first half of Darling in the Franks is the good half of Darling in the Franks. It's at least the least controversial. Wow. Wait, what? Well, it, it, that's interesting to me because I feel like the shock value of like the beginning of Darling and the Franks, I feel like that was like, like, where is this going? Like, this could have gone a really weird direction. And then I feel like they've kind of swung back the other direction. So now I'm like, shit, what's going to happen in this? Do you, ever, do you ever feel like there's an anime? You kind of know what's going on. And all of a sudden there's a really hard tone shift. One <laughs> <laughs> of the Have you ever experienced? Have you ever experienced that before? <laughs> so, I mean, so the weird thing, I feel like Evangelion was kind of like, that was like sort of its reputation, like the fan torture. and Oh my, that brings up something very interesting that I'm drawing a blank on. Like a hard tone shift is actually pretty common in anime now. It didn't used to be. That wasn't the case with like oh. the super robot genre yeah, or like the magical girl genre. And like Evangelion is the earliest anime I can think of that has one of these like hard left tone changes. Someone's going to have to correct me if they can point to something earlier than that. I don't think I could. If there is something before that, it's something that influenced Ava that was more niche, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Berserk is really weird, but that goes from like dark to just like the darkest. <laughs> <laughs> Great theme song, by the way, uh, by... Susumu Hirasawa. Berserk? Yeah. Same guy that did uh, Paprika, Million Actress, a lot of those Satoshi Kone movies. Whoa. Okay. Perfect blue. Yeah. I, I fucking love that soundtrack. And it's very cool because it's like these scenes that go from normal to like super intense out of nowhere. And if you like pay attention to it, there'll often be this like sound effect. Yeah that's like happening so it's like fax machine is running mm-hmm. and then the sound of the fax machine printing becomes like the beat of the song and it's Ooh. this way where you go from like just like the world to the super intense music but in this like subtle mm. way that uh i think helps with freaking you out or you kind of feel the emotions mm-hmm. before you even realize that you're listening to music or something like that mm-hmm. wow wow so what i'm getting ben is that you're okay with a tone shift. Uh, sure. In principle, yes. Sure. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll be all right. <laughs> but, you know, like it's just setting an industry standard, right? Somebody makes a lot of money off of something that was like a far right shot or out of left field, right? Mm-hmm. And then everybody else copies it. You know, stamina meters in games. I used to never see them outside of from mm-hmm. software games. Now everyone has a fucking stamina meter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would be an outrage if it wasn't there. Definitely. Same kind mm-hmm. of thing. Anyways. Alex, I've been loving your last time on. <laughs> oh, thank you. So I well really done. appreciate that. So well done. Uh, I'm uh, a student of Spencer Crittenden uh, uh, from uh, Harmontown. Yeah. Last time on every sitcom ever. The girls split the house down the middle with tape after a bulbous Klaxo Cerberus spewed acid all over Squad 13's Franks. A nuanced lesson then commenced on leering and listening, climaxing in 0-2 on the roof, making a Sakura Blossom storm out of everyone's laundry. Kokoro spoke privately to Mitsuru about the language of flowers, and we got a primer of our own from Brian. Miku acted as our plot mover for the episode, cutting Chekhov's tape and discovering the existence of a deceased Squad 13, perhaps Dr. Franks' previous pet project. 
After some heartfelt apologies from the boys and a lot of understanding from the girls, the issue was amicably resolved, with Miku even setting some new boundaries with Zorame. Ikuno remained standoffish, and Futoshi remained overzealous. Hiro wants Zero Two and him to communicate more, while Zero Two wants him to hold on and never let go. Will our pubescent pilots proceed down the path to a harmonious household? What other surprise environmental factors does Franks have planned? Did Goro learn his lesson about staring at Ichigo? Let's find out. Three, two, one, play. Yesterday was rainy, and today is clear. What will tomorrow be like? I'm always trying to determine what your outlook is. I can't believe you still ask for kitty stuff like that. What's it matter to you? Presents? Yeah. Once every year, we can ask Papa for the things we most want. I'm gonna read Papa's message now! Boys and girls, your numerous accomplishments. This is essentially their like collective birthday, and Papa couldn't even mankind. show up for it, Glory like a true you, Papa. Yeah. Who risk your lives for us? That was left behind by a girl called Naomi. Should oh, it was Naomi's. <laughs> yeah, it's Naomi's mirror. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. Isn't that Ichigo's? It's the same type, but this hair clip here, I tried and failed to give her a long time ago. So Remember that's why Ichigo's hair is uneven because he didn't give her hair. You called love. It's supposed to have now two I'm clips. Now I'm starting to think it means the other person is special to you. Uh, I love this fucking plaxisaur. It's the most unique. Yeah, it's like a jellyfish, but it has like this audio waveform halo. It also kind of looks like a balloon. Yeah. I don't know if you recognize that sound effect, Alex. It was a. That's a clip from the Thang. Oh, they stretched out. I mean, I guess in retrospect, it does look a little bit like a mushroom cloud or something like that, too. Yeah. Triangle Bomb. Boom. Yeah, Goro's best, bro. He is the dude. Like, even the critics, the people like that hate the show, they'll still say, yeah, Goro, he wins best, bro, for 2018. As he should. Who's the triangle we're talking <laughs> about? Who's bombing this thing? I mean, we have the explosive claxosaur, awesome yes. for the name, but who's the who's the triangle, Brian? Triangle, triangle bomb, triangle bomb, doing the things, <laughs> triangle com. I think it's the love quadrilateral <laughs> between like I think it's the triangle of Goro, um, Ichigo, and Hiro. And mm. Goro is dropping the bomb. Okay. But I think Zero Team 2 needs to be there. Yes. You know, it's not just a standard triangle. There's more shit going on. It really depends on what angle you look at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Do you feel like uh, the present that Goro got, the fishing rods, like would suggest his behavior in this episode that he's like fishing for uh, resolution to... The love triangle, mm. trying to see where Hero is with this whole thing. Like, does he know what's going on with Ichigo? Mm. And fishing for where Ichigo is. I think if it was any other character, maybe, but Goro just knows all. He does know. He just knows and he's not <laughs> fishing. <laughs> he knows where everyone stands and he's just going to drop his own bomb. I, I, I didn't realize that they all had all this history. Like, I assume this is like a modern situation. And then it's like, no, this has been like years and years. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's like four four of them have had these the years. So yeah, four. Because it's Hiro, Ichigo, Goro, and then Mitsuru. Those are the only ones that were in that pod together. Yeah. We never see Miku, Zorome, or uh, Futoshi, or Kokoro. Um, in these flashbacks. Mm. And then I guess so Kokoro, Futoshi, and Mitsuru have their own thing going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's something there. There's a lot of dynamics happening. Uh, but I hadn't thought about the gifts. So let's go through the gifts really quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Goro gets a fishing rod. And I don't know about him fishing for things, but he gets two fishing rods, which is very mm. in keeping. Mm. Like everybody got you got what you asked for. Like if you asked for two pens, you probably got two pens, right? Right. Well, he asked right. for two fishing rods, which is very telling of like, he's inclusive. He wants relationships with people. And that's a clear way of conveying to people like, oh, Hey, yeah. you're welcome to come along with me. 
Yep. And you're spending a lot of time together. Oh, yeah. Great yeah. storytelling time. Uh, so Ichigo gets a stuffed cat, which we see later. She has like at least three that she sleeps with in her arms. Yes. Yeah. So the new one looked kind of like the stray cat, maybe that she was that she's playing been playing with. with. Yep. At the beginning of the episode and at the beginning of episode two. Oh, cute. And and who was it that like teased her about that? And they're like, oh, you're still getting like the kids toys. It was Goro. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little of that uh, playground bullying. Yeah. <laughs> Tell her you like her. Mm-hmm. Ikuno gets a series of books. I don't know if they were supposed to be journals or just something else to read. Kokoro gets, I couldn't tell if it was a makeup box or a jewelry box. Neither. I think it's a sewing kit. Yeah, it's a little more elaborate than a sewing kit because it comes with like bats of fabric or yarn or something. Sort of like what someone might get if they wanted to sew something for baby clothes Uh, or mittens or a scarf. Well, I don't know anybody who wants to do that. So uh, Miku (laughs) got, it looked like a perfume bottle, but I also could be wrong on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitsuru got a fancy pen and Zorame got a new ball to hit Hero with. It looked like <laughs> the exact same kind of ball he already had. Yeah. So I felt like it was just kind of a wasted, <laughs> I don't know. It's like their collective birthday slash Christmas, right? They get to ask yeah. for one thing and they get it. And like some of them just ask for, I don't know, like a pen, you know, not like a writing set, not like a typewriter just a pen I, I don't know if this is where you're going alex but it is like it's this moment where we can now like characterize all of our characters right so we can mm. show what is it that they like desire and then like for some like zorame that feels sort of like oh this is like a waste like it's just like <laughs> unless and maybe the point is like he doesn't want anything new he's like fine staying exactly where he is it's, it's, it is a kind of cool technique for a, a show to be like, oh, we can reveal this like internal thing about all these characters very quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess Orme does have that going for him. He likes himself. And, you know, that's an admirable quality in, in people. Futoshi gets food. We can't forget oh, that. No, I did not see Futoshi. Did he really get food? Yes, it did. What, what, what is it, at least? It's like, it looks like a shepherd pie. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> a fucking shepherd's pie. <laughs> well, he knows what he likes. That's also an admirable quality. Okay, fine. Yep, yep. All right. And Hero gets this bird book. Yeah. Maybe he's just trying to find out if the John is a real bird. He's like, maybe. I heard this legend. But he's just interested in birds, right? Um. You know, when we first meet him, he has an encounter with a bird mm-hmm. that dies. Mm-hmm. And then in the next episode, he goes back to bury it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe that became some sort of fixation for him. But the big question is, is what does it mean? And I think the Jean thing is probably uh, our best bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe he's uh, looking up bird funeral rites to uh, make sure he <laughs> did it right the first time. <laughs> okay. But there is no, because zero two is new, right? This right. is not a practice that zero two is familiar with which means that the other squads also probably do not get this practice so they think oh once a year we ask for what we want and papa gives it to us but it's just as likely that papa has no idea that this tradition is happening that this is all an invention of frank's right and this speech that zorame reads from papa a message from papa it's so canned it could have just been written by frank's right oh yeah then and maybe that's like Frank's real gift to Zorame. He's like, you asked for a ball. Okay, all right. I'm gonna give you a little validation. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so sorry. So I got off topic, but Zero Two does not have a present. And so Hero gives her Naomi's mirror. So his former partner's mirror, but he does, he brings it up to her, right? Which makes it less weird. Yeah. Yeah. But there's still something weird going on. Yeah, definitely. So the first frame of our episode, not the first frame, the first scene, Mm -hmm. Goro's looking out the window. Staring at Ichigo. He did not learn his lesson. Yeah. Ichigo and Ikino are playing with the cat, but he's looking at Ichigo. And in this scene, it's Ichigo and Goro at the top of the stairs watching Hero and Zero Two. And uh, Goro mentions, like, I can forecast the day based upon what you are looking at like you being Ichigo. And so 
he he just really knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, as as Brian likes to point out, major leadership skills. This kid, <laughs> but we is that when we get our flashback? Uh, well, before that, the mirror has an engraving of mistletoe on the back of it. Yeah, mm. I thought that was interesting. Does it? It does. Yeah, wow. because later we see like zero two is pretty psyched to get her very first present. But, you know, like in this episode, we see her tone shift quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the next time we see her with the mirror, she's just staring at it with a flat affect. And then she sort of reverts back to her sort of flippant tone about the mortality of her squad mates. Jumping on Hero, being all over him. Yeah. The very last episode, like things were really at a high point. She's yeah. like, hey, I'm more human now. I'm goofing around with everyone in this boys versus girls game. My suit is changed like theirs. Mm hmm. So when you say the mortality, is that when once Guru is inside the Klaxosaur and she's like, hey, he's got like a limited time in there, guys. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like an inappropriate time to bring that up. Like, she's kind of the well, voice of reason in that yeah. scenario, right? <laughs> Definitely. But she, but she's also kind of passive at it. And she says something about like, and then he'll die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's not spoken with compassion or concern. And like when we see uh, the briefing room, She's in the back by herself. Mm-hmm. She's not even standing with Hero. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's baby steps, right? She still <laughs> feels like an outsider. Mm-hmm. And she does have an unstable emotional state. So that makes sense. Yeah. But we are at the flashback now. Okay. Yep. This is our, not our first flashback. I think we got a flashback with Ichigo and Hero talking when they were kids about stars. Mm-hmm. But, yep. uh, this time they're they're in the the garden together. Uh-huh. They both make the same pin or acquire the same hairpin for Ichigo, but Hiro gets there first. Yeah. Yeah. It, my impression was like this is again that time of year when you get to ask for something and it seems like both of them forfeited their gifts to get oh, something for Ichigo. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Because wasn't there like an, an like an envelope or something? It's, it's, yeah. it's almost like gift of the magi or something like that, right? It's like yeah, you're giving up your own gift to make this other person happy. But then if Hero and Goro do it and Goro is too late, then it's just like, oh <laughs> sucks to be you. Yep. It's sad and then it gets sadder. <laughs> yeah. And then Brian, you said there was like an envelope. I think there was. I think Goro actually went the extra mile and like wrote a letter or something to her to accompany mm-hmm. the gift, like a card, right? And so that's probably why he was too late. Oh. He like put the extra effort in and like Hero Absolutely. just didn't think to do that. And so he was there first. So I'm kind of confused about this because Goro clearly has a crush on Ichigo. Are we mm. supposed to assume that Hero kind of did two and then Zero Two supplanted that? Or I, I, think... I don't think Hero had romantic feelings for her. They were, they were just friends or something. Yeah, exactly. Hero's just a pretty compassionate guy. And I think he just saw a need and knew that he could fill it. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have this tragedy, this uh, uh, comedy of errors kind of moment. Then when we come out of it, we come to a scene where like a heart to heart scene with Goro and Hiro, right? They're going to bed, which is usually like, you know, a time when people's defenses are down. And so Goro's like, hey, I know what's happening between the three of us, even if you don't understand it. And how do you feel about this? And Hiro's mostly like, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot going on in this scene. Yeah, we're really uh, seeing the characters develop language for intimacy. Like Goro had this like this feeling inside. She is special to me. And now, oh, special and this feeling combined is I love her. And then later on, he mentions that Hero was special in a different way as well. Yeah. I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I just want to make sure I'm remembering the same thing. So this, this scene where Goro is like, hey, the way I feel about Ichigo, I think she feels about you and you feel about Zero Two. Yeah. And he just really like lays out the whole scenario. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's basically saying like, like, you love Zero Two. I love Ichigo. Ichigo loves you. Yeah. And you could probably make Ichigo happy. Like, I know what makes Ichigo happy, but I can't make her happy. But you can. Hmm. 
he just kind of throws it out there. I don't think I think it's lost on Hero, and then Goro crashes out. What, what <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm just like looking into this too much, but what do you think about the fact that like Goro leaves out Zero Two and Zero Two's feelings? No, I I I think that's an interesting point to bring up. I think that. Maybe it's just to show maybe the writer didn't think that far or maybe the writer did think about that. And he's like, look, you can be compassionate about the person you're in love with, but you can't take into account everybody. It's just impossible. It could also be just they have no concept of exclusivity when it comes to love. Oh, because Goro has just learned what love is Mm. or that. Zero two is still just an outsider and we don't need to consider her feelings because we grew up together and she's just yeah. here for a moment. Yeah. Mm. But I'll tell you what I read into something that happens just in like a split second. Uh, Goro says, oh, there you are. Uh, seems like we've already seen them all being on the same schedule, but zero, I mean, a hero's not on the schedule anymore. Mm. And I just had this feeling like zero two is the only one who has her own room. She doesn't have any roommates. Maybe they're hanging out in Zero Two's room. Hmm. Goro couldn't place him. Yeah. Makes sense. Breaking some boundaries. <laughs> so I came across something very interesting this week um, that felt like really related to the show. Um, mm-hmm. So I've, my wife has been listening to a podcast where an uh, ex-North Korean escapee was sharing her experience. Mm-hmm. And she said that one of the very specific things that like was revoked from them or just not taught to them was any language about intimacy or love mm-hmm. or adoration towards family, towards romantic partners, except towards the head of state. And so this, oh, wow. this feels very, like I just immediately thought of this episode uh, or just like a, plenty of other episodes where it seems like they have no language for any type of romantic connection love or even friendship when you know goro is struggling to understand that hero is special to him that it mm. plays up this like the only thing that they do adore is papa particularly mm-hmm. with zorame and it seems like it's very intentional like everything that they've set up mm-hmm. and so, sorry so i'm just because i kind of missed this whole papa thing i think i just was like oh papa's franks and franks is papa so, so papa is one of the people in that ape council Mm -hmm. yes do we ever see them like watching papa or something like that like is has there been any like direct interaction between the the pilots and papa or it's just that's the closest thing is in the first episode when papa gives a speech but it turns out that it's just a hologram it's not even actually there Mm. so we see him interacting with the other eight figures so we kind of assume Mm -hmm. he is a real person he's not like a mm-hmm. big brother figure where it's like maybe he exists or maybe he doesn't like the wizard oh yeah yeah exactly but i mean he does he definitely still serves that role of the big brother figure mm-hmm. you know and you're talking about like if it if it's really like that in the dprk they're doing the same thing they're like saying their morning prayers to kim jong-un is that the one right now Il was the father yes do you yes. see this headlines it's kind of like a a thing on Twitter where it's like these headlines that were like Kim Jong Un makes a, uh, like appearance revealing his new spelt body, and it's just like he's like lost a bunch of weight, and like the, I think the speculation is maybe he had some sort of like horrible illness, and like um, you know became sickly and lost COVID. a bunch of weight. But yeah, exactly. But then there's all these headlines that are like he's like, like it's like a celebrity <laughs> headline almost about yeah. like oh he's like showing his fit new body and people are just like <laughs> the fucking like dictator acting like yeah. he's like a celebrity that lost 50 yeah. pounds for a new role <laughs> well before we get too far away from your comment hayden um like that that's something that pol pot did as well mm. uh when he was doing like cultural revolution stuff controlling like uh, the language and thoughts of the people, like how they can think of authority and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Feels right in line with what Ape is all about. Absolutely. So uh, as Hiro and Goro end their conversation, Goro kind of sacks out. Then we get one last shot of Ichigo going to bed where she carefully puts he- the pin Hero gave her on her nightstand. She hugs her three uh, stuffed animals and falls asleep. And Zero Two stays up looking at herself in the mirror. Uh, the two of them are both cherishing something that Hero gave them. Mm, yes. And the mirror 
being part of the scene will like be endlessly metaphoric, endlessly wonderful, right? That like they are mirroring each other's behavior. Yes. Uh, and then I didn't even notice this, but one of you pointed out, and then it rains. Zero two's favorite. Yeah. So like another baptism, another like everything's got to change this episode. I don't know. We got some dynamics <laughs> working out. And, and sorry, just just remind me. So after zero two, is that going back to kind of that first zero two scene when she was talking about the ocean and stuff? And she said something about she was asking if Hura could make it make it rain. Yeah. Yeah. So she just gets lucky again. Uh, although it seems like so far we've only had it rain at night. So maybe they only have it rain at night. <laughs> That would be convenient. And there is the assumption. So the someone in this environment is controlling that, right? It's not actual natural weather anymore. So it's like hero can't do it, but it is some sort of man-made phenomena. I assume Nana, uh, Hachi and Franks have access to it. I don't know who specifically controls it, but yeah, 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 definitely. Um, And then the Klaxosaur shows up and this is my favorite Klaxosaur so far. I wasn't a huge fan of the, uh, the big horned one with the turns into like a piston. But uh, I love this one because I saw this and I was like, I think this episode is going to remind me of Neon Genesis. And it did several times. Uh, And this is the first place where it reminded me of that because it just looks not like a normal creature, right? Like me. Yeah. It does have kind of a jellyfish aura to it, but just like floating. I don't know. It's insane. I love it. Yeah, like like it's not like a humanoid or like sort of animal themed like a uh, mech. It, it's a much more abstract shape and design. Yeah, which reminds me of the angels, which I think while we were watching it, one of you mentioned the angel that like drops pieces of itself that just keep exploding. And like this has kind of a similar mechanism, right? Which uh, uh, Miku and Zorame accidentally trigger like when you hit it it releases part of itself as an explosion right Hmm. that was also a triangle episode for evangelion the three of them had to work together oh whoa right right right. yeah Yeah. pretty pretty cool it also kind of looks like an overlord from starcraft (laughs) (laughs) and okay so Miku and Zorame Russian, they triggered this defense response and then Delphinium knocks them out of the trap. Yeah. Yep, kind of shoves them out. And then Gorme ejects Ichigo, but then he's stuck by yes. himself. Yeah. So he hits some sort of a, we know now that there's some sort of a like emergency eject that at least ejects the pistol. We don't know if there's a similar system for the uh, stamen, but I assume there isn't. I don't know. Do you think there is? Well, it's interesting because what ejects is the faceplate on the outside, mm. um, which is typically like this. You can recognize as the female pistol. Mm-hmm. There must be some kind of mechanism where another one kind of slots in because when Ichigo gets back in, she's able to then pilot again. Mm. Oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. The faces on the Franks are the faces of the female pilots. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like Stiletia, awesome. it has like the little fangs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm I think so their sorry. eye colors are the same too, but I could be off on that. Ikano has kind of like a, a visor. Her glasses. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ah, oh, whoa. It was what? staring me in the face. That. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and so it's interesting. Yeah. Something I noticed this time, you know, typically um, when the characters are talking to each other or male to female are talking to each other, sometimes they cut to the face of the mech while the, the male is sitting in the chair. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And then, but this time when uh, Zorame was rushing in, um, it was Zorame in the pot, in the seat, and then it was this soft transition into the whole mech, mm. kind of like this transition from Zorame to Miku. It was more mm-hmm. fluid; like they were more on, they were connecting better. They're um, more on the same oh, after page. that last episode, yeah, yeah, and so they're they're more united as they you know jump in. It does still bother me the like mech designs. This fucking like. Like everything else in the show is so, I don't know, like the animation is great and stuff. And I'm just like, God, these mech designs are so fucking like easy and dumb. And I don't know, it just like feels like there's something from another show. And when you're talking about the faces, I'm like, oh, maybe there's something deeper I'm not picking up about the way they're physically designed. But I I just fucking hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say there is a character who comes up and addresses it. Yeah. 
It's mm. like, what the fuck is up with this shit? <laughs> <laughs> he jabs him a little bit over it. So before I actually watched this, you were talking it up to me, Brian. We were gushing about stuff, but you mentioned something about like prototype designs for the Franks. So was there oh, a, yeah. an alpha version of it where they looked quite different? Yeah, the original designs for the Franks were very like insectoid looking, mm-hmm. like something from Aura Battle or Dunbine. Mm-hmm. This, sorry, this is in the production of the show or this is... Yeah, when they're doing the concept art. Okay. Uh, and if I remember right, I think it was the first schism that they had between the two sides of the studios. Oh, okay. Who was the insect side? I'm curious. I think it would be A1. And so that's the more artsy yeah. side versus the more pop shonen side. Yeah. Yeah. And as the first schism, I think what happened was someone just stonewalled. This is, we're not doing that. Like, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, this is setting the tone of our production. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe yeah. some of the initial Klaxosaur designs and things like that, maybe they stayed mm-hmm. and the, the Franks change. And so there was more of a cohesion between those first designs, right? If one changed and the other didn't yeah. change to match it. So maybe you're onto something there, Ben. That's really cool. Nishigori also hired a concept artist named Huke, who did like really abstract concept art and like none of it ended up getting used. Mm. Like it was like the kind of imagery that would remind you of like the last act of Evangelion. Oh, it's a shame they couldn't work it out. Mm. And, and sorry, remind me, Nishigori is the director of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of his his baby is this show. Yeah. But, yeah. but he didn't get like final say on on that kind of stuff, or he changed his mind and he went with this other angle. No, because it's, you know, it's a joint studio project and you got to just keep both parties happy. And everything that I've heard from him, it sounded like he wanted to come at it in the spirit of like, it, it is his baby as much as it is anyone's, right? But like he wanted to come at it in the spirit of like, hey, we're all part of this. So like there should be give and take on both sides. And maybe this was something he was he felt strongly about, but was willing to budge. So and then our next scene, it reminds me more of Ava uh, because Goro wakes up and he's like, oh, good. I'm not dead. Uh, and then he sees that like Ichigo's not there. And he's like, oh, right. OK, I did the thing. I got her out of here. That worked. I am very happy with this situation. And then his uh, voice monitor comes up and it's Hero on the other line. And he's like, hey, buddy, I am really tired. If you could get them to come get me, that'd be great. And they're like, you are inside the monster. And you're like, yes, <laughs> this is just like Ava. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and just like Ava, the last ditch attempt to kill the monster does not have uh it does not have Goro's safety in mind. The, the episode I'm thinking of with in Ava is where Shinji gets swallowed up by the shadow uh angel. And their plan to get him out is to drop a bunch of bombs inside. And like, you know, maybe that kills it, but it's just as likely to like kill Shinji inside of it, right? Yeah. If these were seasoned soldiers this wouldn't be a surprise to them mm-hmm. that they're expendable but this is mm-hmm. the first they're hearing of it mm. yeah it's really sinking in for them yeah mm-hmm. it shocks everyone but zero two right and she's already made passing remarks about this squad will die like the other one and it's like they still just didn't get it until one of their own was on the line mm-hmm. so this would probably be like my one disappointment for the episode i really would have liked to have seen zoro may's response to this sentiment Mm. especially because we just had that christmas you know ask thing with the letter oh wow Uh, yeah Yeah. so i'm really glad you brought that up okay so ichigo storms into the room while they're having this briefing nana and hachi show up and they're like hey everybody don't worry we're glad you're all okay we're gonna explain this plan to you right uh, Ichigo busts into the room. She's like, I'm not going to stay in bed. I need to be in this meeting. I need to figure out how to uh, get Goro. And then Miku like confronts her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Miku's like, he has feelings for you. And she doesn't have the language either. But she's like, don't you like mm-hmm. get it? Like, obviously this mm-hmm. happened. Why are you surprised? Let's get through this meeting. Don't be mad. But in the background, Zorame is like, <laughs> 
squeaking by and there's like even a sound effect in the background to make it like a comedy bit. But like maybe he's feeling really uneasy about everything. And so like they all hear this news that like Goro is expendable. And then there's this other emotional outburst. And Zorame is like, I don't want to be in this room right now. Do you think uh, Miku's doing a little projection too? Because mm. Zorame was having a pretty strong reaction to what was being voiced out loud. I just wonder, are like Zorome and Miku starting to put some things together and have some un- unspoken things of their own? Mm. It's interesting because we're we were talking before about like kind of like these different love triangles and, and Zorome and Miku seem like they're kind of their own island absent of, of all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Mm. Yeah, we need to throw someone in to their mess. <laughs> we need to mess up their Zorame throws enough in just by himself. Yeah. If Miku yeah. could like be really into Goro, that would make everything <laughs> perfect. So Alex, it's interesting you say that because when I've watched this more intentionally, I kind of like upset that Zorame was so felt so awkward because he's usually mm-hmm. fine with his own emotional outbursts. Why is he being so weird now? And, you know, maybe there was like comic relief or whatever, but if there is more to his awkwardness than just the two women in front of him, but also this whole reality that would just kind of ease my tension of like, this shouldn't be characterized by him right now, but it makes more sense. Yeah. It makes a better story, right? Sorry, Ben. I was just going to say, he's maybe like the most like kind of indoctrinated soldier. And then this is kind of like the tension of that of like, oh yeah, you are ultimately you are just like expendable and we have to make these kind of mathematical decisions versus like idealistic decisions about when it's appropriate to to save someone or something like that. Yeah. And a normal Frank's team, if they didn't intuit this kind of stuff, like they would not be surprised by it. Right. But our Frank's team gets presents and our Frank's team like, gets special treatment and so they they're like well, we thought we were special yeah they get their own frank designs their own weapons okay so nana and hachi's plan is not a good plan uh it is to blow the thing up and maybe goro survives maybe he doesn't whatever but ichigo has another plan someone says mm. like hey there was a blowhole on top maybe we could throw something in there i think it's zero two i think it's zero it was zero two, yeah. Of all people. <laughs> Ooh. We have some like steps towards a relationship there, right? So zero two like provides an opening for Ichigo to do a Hail Mary uh uh plan here. And then they also it's also Streletzia that delivers Ichigo, right? Yeah. Which is kind of like a show of support that the two of them together, like, I know things are weird between you and Hero, and like Zero, Zero knows like there's something, right? She's not bullying and like uh, <laughs> teasing Ichigo for nothing. That's what I think the confrontation was at the beach scene. Right. I think she was testing Ichigo. Yeah. There, there's some weird stuff that happens here. So they're saying that uh, there's no guarantee that Ichigo's suit is going to protect her from this fuel vapor fluid stuff and what's interesting is like ichigo is not phased by that it's like but there's a chance so you're telling me there's a chance there's a chance i'll live (laughs) uh that's pretty remarkable and And, then zero oh sorry but the last episode their suits got eaten through by some fluid from inside of a klaxosaurus you're like did you change Mm -hmm. the suits like why should i feel more safe right and then you know zero two says i wouldn't do it yeah (laughs) like this is like you know the crazy dinosaur lady (laughs) like she wouldn't do it yeah Probably don't go in there. Then. But Ichigo. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say like Ichigo is just so incongruent when she's yelling at Goro, you know, just like the stark, like contrast of saying you are so selfish. You're putting yourself second. <laughs> like she, she doesn't understand what selfish means. Well, um, she's just upset. But, but I do kind of like, I thought that was like an interesting point of like, he's sacrificing himself to save her. But then like now he's also put her in this situation where now like she has to be the one to come back and like save him. So it's kind of like, like, were you really acting selflessly when you ejected me or were you just like now 
putting me in this fucked up situation and like letting yourself off the hook. And I don't know. I, I, I like that tension. I am so glad this came up <laughs> because this exact dynamic is going to become very, very important later in the story. Mm. And it's also just a very important like relationship lesson. So Goro's error is he made the choice on his own. Mm. Bingo. Ichigo's point is we decide these things together. Mm. Right. So he just created these extra steps and like put her at risk that where she might get dissolved in this like acidic fuel stuff. Whereas they could have made, if they were communicating, they could have made the decision together. Usually the first choice, whether or not to eject <laughs> mm-hmm. her in the first place, you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I totally agree with you, Brian. Like this, this show, I think more than anything else is about relationships right? Mm -hmm. The things that are spoken, the things that are unspoken, the things we have language for, the things we don't have language for. And one thing that we keep coming back to is like a choice in and of itself isn't really like good or bad for a relationship because the first thing has to be communication. The first Mm -hmm. thing has to be you making the choice together or at Mm -hmm. least talking to each other and then like allowing one of you to make the decision. Um, but it was a split second kind of thing. So, you know, like it is arbitrary, but it lets us explore uh, exactly what you're talking about, Brian. So just keep that in your margins. Yeah. Well, and I think it's in defense of Goro, maybe a little bit. He has just written himself off of their relationship. Like he's not yeah. protecting her. He's protecting her and hero possibly the chance of them. But like when she comes back to save him, he is very like shocked by this. Right. Yeah. I think it yes. is really this thing where like he does not realize kind of like the power of their relationship. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you take it out of the situation of them being in the max and you like view it purely as this kind of like, dating metaphor or whatever it's like dude you like yeah she has this crush on him but like if you actually tell her how you feel (laughs) yes he might respond well to that like she cares about you man yeah he definitely definitely learns that yeah what an interesting dynamics like we started this episode commenting on how insightful goro is how he just knows everything and sees everything but (laughs) maybe he doesn't know ichigo's mind as well as he thinks he does. Right, right. Uh, and like last episode, right, it was all about getting the point, right? Not making the situation what you think it is, listening mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what the point is, like what upset the other party. Mm-hmm. And so Goro, you know, he's kind of ahead of the game all the time, emotionally and in his relationships. And he's like teaching the other guys almost, or or at least like guiding them. Mm-hmm. But the last episode was kind of about leering, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. uh, looking at uh, the girls too long in a way that made them uncomfortable. And here we open this episode with him staring at Ichigo. So like when it comes to Ichigo, he has these blind spots mm-hmm. and it and it's because of the very same emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think the blind spots are his relationship with Ichigo or it's just like about himself? So I feel like, to me, that oh. feels like a, a kind of common thing. It's like, you know, it's easier to see these patterns in other people than it is to see yourself, right? And that maybe, yeah, he has all this insight into other people's relationships, but when it comes to him, yes. not so much. Yeah. It's always hardest to see it in yourself. And that's why this is the first episode we see the mirror. You're brilliant. Uh, uh, and it's the episode where Goro <laughs> cannot see out of the Franks. <gasps> Whoa. Chills, everybody. And so he's forced to only listen. He cannot look. Oh, oh shit. Mind bomb. <laughs> Oh, dear. Okay, so everything has a self-destruct. Yep. Oh, wait, no, I'm going too far. We, we have another flashback, right? The fight? Yeah, the fight. Oh, yeah. So so we get the moment that Ichigo and Goro became friends, right? Yeah. Because Goro's like, I'm going to beat up these three kids. And he gets his ass handed to him. And then uh-huh. Ichigo's like, hey, are you going to beat those kids up? I'm in. Like, awesome this is how friendships start with violence which makes you think that ichigo really beat those three up because goro did nothing by himself and they won just with her yeah yeah 
Uh, I liked the shot of her reaching out the hand. Yeah. It reminded me of the imagery that we have with Zero Two and Hero's relationship. The title sequence and the, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And back to episode one and episode, crap, which one was it? Uh, Hero's third time piloting. Oh, six. Yeah. Six. Yeah. So they scrap it up and it seems like Ichigo really does value teaming up with Goro. Yeah. So since that day, they've always been friends, but we quickly see in the same flashback that that day still, or shortly after that, Hero has always been on the scene. And so the three of them are kind of a tripod, you know, grew up together. They all have feelings for each other, but those feelings are, you know, flavored in different ways. And, um, oh, Hero doesn't have glasses and maybe Ichigo is into guys without glasses. (laughs) Oh, which does not bode well for Ikuno. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I just thought was kind of funny, just briefly in the flashback, like Goro and Ichigo, they they beat up the three kids and then they sort of like have their pal moment. I think that's the first time they do the fist bump. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we see we see Hero and he's like sort of doing PR with the three kids that got their asses kicked. He was like, hey, like, it's OK. <laughs> smiles all around just jumping you into our friendship (laughs) we do see goro watching ichigo watching hero yes and so she's kind of blushing as she sees hero talking to these three guys that she just beat the crap out of uh and so this is where he begins forecasting the weather based upon where her gaze is it's also kind of like i felt like this is a new thing that like they had just found out about each other and it's like really it's been like your whole life and this has never come up but Brian's like, how dare you? How dare you put out any flaw in pranks? Oh, man. I just don't have, I have no language for any of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really wonderful. And it goes back to that. Uh, Brian really liked bringing that up. And it is a good point. Like, they don't know what a kiss is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Streletzia delivers Ichigo up to the blowhole. Uh, mm-hmm. Zero, or Ichigo tells Zero Two, I believe in you, which like she, as the Frank's face, like gives Ichigo a little sly eye and is like, I can't say I dislike that. It's a very cute moment. It's a, it's a parallel frame to when Sturetzelia has to save Ichigo. I think it was in the mines. She mm. zooms by and then there's this slow-mo and then she gives her a side eye right at Ichigo. Mm-hmm. And then she goes off. And this time it's a side eye of more connection of, I don't, I don't, I would say, you know, it's a step. Yeah. So, I mean, Zero Two's character development, it's interesting. It's not just, you know, switching from problem kid to bosom buddies. Mm-hmm. Like it's up and down. Yeah. Hayden, I think you mentioned it, that it was dropped in the uh, Shooting Star Moratorium episode that Ichigo was the best swimmer. Yeah. Yeah. Ikuno makes that comment, right? Okay. Yep. So these suits, right? Not a huge fan. Like I, we like the design because they are uh, Shinto wedding stuff, right? There's like the deep lore there. That's cool. But looks like they all have a, or at least all the pistol uh, costumes have a face airbag, which like, <laughs> I just want one of those for regular for life. life. I want a little button that I can hit. And it's like, yeah, something about this episode, the, uh, the hoods for the female pilots just reminded me of Conti from Fully Cooley. <laughs> oh yeah. I was like, it's a big screen on the back of their helmet hood thing. Uh, and this is the second part in the episode where I was like, Oh, it is a neon Genesis episode because this <laughs> just, I got just got flashbacks of uh, God damn it. What is the teacher's name? Not the teacher. God damn it. Their caretaker. I can't believe in which like, show. Neon oh, it's Isaka. Wait, what? Yeah. Is that right? Misaka. Yeah. Yeah. This is incorrect. Her name is Misato. Misaka um, mm-hmm. gets onto Jet Alone, the big robot thing, and has right. to be delivered to it and like is yeah. in a big suit. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that about Volcano episode. I got a little bit of that vibe. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of diving into so well, Yeah. I was thinking of the, the episode where Shinji fell into the shadow thing. Like yeah. that so we're all getting a little bit of something. Yeah. Okay. So she can hold her breath for a really long time. She's a really strong swimmer and she gets inside the robot. 
she gets in there and she's like, the air is really thin in here. And you're like, yeah, he was about to pass out for breathing. So now you have <laughs> half the air supply you had before. Yeah. And you are very out of breath from swimming. So whatever plan you've got, you have to do it quickly. As she's swimming down, that's when she loses the hairpin, right? Mm-hmm. And so when she gets in, you know, the, the door shines and I don't think there's any good reason for that to happen, but it's the same shine that we've seen whenever hero and zero two connect without or oh, pilot yeah. without, without piloting, uh, like they're piloting right. solely through their connection. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to see that as this big moment of not only did I cry for you, but I risked my life to be in here. They are connecting. Do we see Ichigo get into the pistol position or is it just implied? It's implied, I believe. So we could equally imply that it's possible that they did some of the same thing that Zero Two and Hero do, right? That like maybe they activated the Franks without having to be in those uh, preordained positions. Hmm. Yeah, so Goro doesn't kill them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's, he's about to self-destruct as she's like swimming up right and she gets there right in time yeah. love it yeah it was close everything should have a self-destruct just in case yeah. for safety you know one of my notes was ichigo starts a trend of her own but now i don't know what it is was it it's her peace, peace sign okay yeah. cool yeah so it's a little so. peace <laughs> sign that's an ichigo original yeah mirrors her when she does that after they fight and then Goro mirrors Ichigo by reaching his hand out from a higher plane. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I love it. I wish they would uh, touch their two peace signs together like the Venture <laughs> Brothers, but... Go Team Venture! Because we can't have everything. So, Ben, doesn't the peace sign mean something more like in youth culture in Japan? Uh, I don't know. I was thinking it's... about E.T. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know what it is in Japan. I mean, like, I mean, there's, I mean, it's peace, and it was also it's the victory sign, right? In mm. the U.S. after World War II, I don't know what it was in Japan, but I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people taking photos making that sign. My impression is like the two fingers is like the Japanese equivalent of like the duck lips for like Instagram photos mm. among like teenage girls. It's just like cute thing, maybe. No, I, I need you to commit to a response <laughs> here, man. Uh, so I was just looking it up. The only thing I can find, or on a cursory glance, it looks like it became popular in Japan in the 1980s and then spread out to other Asian countries from there. It could have been because there was a 1972 Olympics in Japan. Hmm. So hmm. you would that would have been like a cultural exchange moment, right? And so like maybe a an athlete doing that or a lot of athletes right uh 72 you still have like the tail end of hippie culture and so people the peace Mm -hmm. sign would have been very popular in america yeah for the record i did ask my mother about that and she was no help at all (laughs) she said oh that's just something all japanese girls do yeah (laughs) oh great thanks that's my answer to you i'm taking (laughs) (laughs) mom uh, I lost us. They, okay. Yeah, they get sh- they get shot out of the big brain jellyfish. Mm-hmm. Goro does his little fuel pod plan, mm-hmm. and it works. The whole thing yeah, explodes. The plantation, m- yeah, the plantation doesn't have to fire. Yeah, it's a big damn explosion. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. Crater is huge. Yeah, and um, then I think that's our last scene, right? Is that Ichigo and Goro get a private moment outside of Delphinium before they get picked up by like presumably another Franks or a rescue squad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The idea is like uh, Delphinium is now completely out of fuel. Yeah. So while they're waiting, they're going to patch up their wounds. Uh, mm. Ichigo's taking care of Goro. Kind of. <laughs> she slaps him. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rough. <laughs> so we were talking uh, last episode or a couple episodes ago, Delphinium is like the name of a flower. And that it might mm-hmm. have some symbolism in that flower language or whatever. Yeah. Um, openness to new experiences, overall positivity, traditionally given to someone who may be feeling down on life to mm-hmm. encourage them to broaden their horizons and try new experiences. Mm. Potentially just Ichigo being open-minded to Goro instead of Hero. Hmm. Well, and Goro just like new experiences. He's like, I love you. And they're like, wait, what? What does that mean? What are those words coming out of your mouth? I don't understand. 
Yeah, he is pretty open to uh, this idea of expressing himself. Now. I, can't, yeah, I kind of is. wish he had just laid out the whole thing again. He's like, you know how Hero feels about Zero Two? <laughs> <laughs> this is how I feel about you. <laughs> you know how you feel about Hero? I feel that way about you. <laughs> we need a word so I don't have to do this every time. <laughs> I globe you. That's not it. <laughs> and Goro. So Goro has this admission moment he's like i love you uh and it it actually goes over really well right it's not like she doesn't go like oh i guess i love you too but she says like you know we're a team you know i believe in you we're gonna like make this work together i'll always come save you but oh but i don't know what to say about the love thing which is like as like their age and everything that's like Mm -hmm. as good of a an interaction as i could imagine absolutely Goro does a really good job with the the love confession because as soon as he says it, like he creates a way out for Ichigo so that his confession does not become her burden. Mm. He's like, you don't have to say anything. Mm. You know, it's like, I just wanted to not have any regrets. Yeah. Mm. Um, I almost died. (laughs) Yeah. Because I got to tell you, man, the first time someone said, I love you to me, like someone I was dating and it was horrible Mm. (laughs) because like I didn't love her. But I felt I was expected to say it Mm -hmm. because she said it to me. But I didn't. I just said, well, I like you a lot. I just kind of made the connection. I mean, I guess Zero Two didn't say it to the boys because she just said it to the girls, right? But she was like, you guys have some secrets and like you're going to die someday. So you might like you might want to say it. And then Mm -hmm. I guess Goro kind of had that same realization himself in this episode, right? Mm -hmm. Like he had this near-death experience and that provoked him to finally say this thing Mm -hmm. now i'm just picturing goro on the other side of the door where zero two is saying all that (laughs) stuff with like a glass (laughs) and a notepad (laughs) well so that last episode that's when they found the photograph right yeah and it it hit them all Mm -hmm. they're all thinking about their mortality probably for the first time yeah great continuity between uh these episodes yeah the headspace of the characters yeah yeah the usual uh, formula is just monster of the week i, I just but this is really carrying something through i was gonna say i just heard this great i think it's a confucius quote which is every man has two lives the one before he realizes he has one life and the one afterwards I don't think I, I didn't get that quite that's that, okay. like like when you realize Alex is still on life one when you, yeah. when you <laughs> realize you have only one life then you start living your life oh okay no that's awesome that is a great yeah. quote I got gotcha. you yep I don't, I don't think I got it quite right but <laughs> so our episode begins with gifts and ends, ends with, gifts. with gifts with Goro yeah. being able to give the the hair clip which Ichigo immediately assumes he found it and it's like a moment where it's just like you just i would have been like yeah yeah i found it but he says nah he says nah i've had this for a while isn't that funny because we have other like comedy of error or tragedy of error moments in this episode and yet they didn't go that way because that that's what i thought he was going to do too he's like oh yeah i found it here you go yeah i didn't think about this but like when he confesses and he says like i love you but you don't have to say anything it is kind of like saying like I love you, but that's really a statement about me and mm. not about you. So like, mm-hmm. here's this gift and it's not about hero. It's about me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's great to see that uh, this thing finally get not resolved. That's not the right word, but you know, like the intent and then the actualization of it, I guess. Oh, like our pilots. I don't have the words. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find them. We'll find them together. Uh, I love you, Brian. <laughs> Alex, I feel like I'm deep inside you. <laughs> I don't know where I start. start. I thought you were anyway. going to go with, I really like you. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity. Uh, yeah, they, then uh, Goro and Ichigo, they get to hug it out. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a mutually pleasant experience. Then we get another shot of the situation of the weather. Yeah, and this time it's not raining. It's the beams of light piercing the clouds. Oh, because she's not looking at Hero. Yes, mm. he's gone. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what my predict- predictions were from last episode and if they've shifted at all. But it does feel, I don't know. It feels like we're going in a little bit more of a positive direction than we have 
for a little bit in this show. Uh, okay, here. The only thing, so I was editing today. The only thing I can remember that you predicted is you predicted that Hero may have some secret knowledge. Oh, uh, like yeah. Maybe sure. he knows something about Frank's plan, but it might not be specifically that, which I think is still a great prediction. Any any changes for that? Uh, I guess that didn't really come up very much in this episode or or I didn't clock it. Yeah, I don't know. Wait, so let, let me just press Ben for one prediction, though. Sure. Like, wh- where do you think the Zero Two character is going? I mean, so I think I said this in the last episode, at least I thought it, but we've now had two weird sort of suicide adjacent scenes Mm. which is from a kind of like craft storytelling perspective that feels like they're foreshadowing something so i think either climactically she will dive to her death or at least you know just like kind of thinking about it from that perspective i feel like they're going in that direction and then in terms of her and hero I, I think we kind of talked about like maybe we're going for some sort of synthesis between this more partnership oriented thing and her more passion oriented thing and and i think actually we've kind of gotten you know hero has communicated his wishes to her more anyway i don't think we've necessarily seen that she's like responded to that stuff necessarily and that she's actually taking his perspective into mind but at least he has like voiced it to her at this point in the series right. well next episode is city of eternity another character study Mm -hmm. pen pen pals darling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.